0: Well, good afternoon, Dennis Fithian, Detroit Sports Podcast, ready to get things underway. Pod number 11. Coming up, NFC North post-draft national analysis 2.0, but first, let's talk with Fox 2's Woody Woodruff, who joins us. And Woody, it's great to talk with you. How are you?
1: Oh, I am fantastic. You know what? I'm happy that I'm on podcast number 11 because, you know, that has a big meaning for me. I was born in November, which is the 11th month. I like that.
0: Well, I was gonna do something like, hey, you know, Isaiah Thomas, you know, that's the big eleven in town, or you know, Matthew Dandano, going through that, but uh, you know, you you, <laughs> it, fit, it fits your own eleven, so that's nice.
1: Exactly, you got to own it these days, man. You have to own it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what it is, you know, you you've come up. My favorite number, um, you know, I, I wore ten. In basketball in high school, I wore a 36 in football. Uh, you know, my last name's Fifth the end, so I always thought, you know, five would have been a good number, but it never happened for me.
1: You well, know, I've worn all kinds of numbers. I mean, my two, so it would be 22 wherever I was going. But I also wore 15. I used to play basketball when I was younger. Um uh, let's see. What else have I worn? Let me guess. How, about, uh, how about
0: the eighty-eight for uh, for for Irvin? Was Ir- Irvin was forty-seven though at the U, wasn't
1: he? Uh, Michael Irvin was forty-seven at the yeah, U. That yeah. is correct. Right. Uh, so so no, I was not wearing a forty-seven. <laughs> uh, in fact, the uh, of the jerseys that I have uh, from Miami these days, I have a number four for Steve Walsh, quarterback. I have an eighty-four. Uh, in orange and in white for the tight end, Rob Chesinski, who then went on to be the head coach in Cleveland. If you remember uh, for a little while uh, before I, I don't know where he is now, Uh, but uh, those are the numbers that I, and I also have a 96 in orange and in white because that was worn by Danny Stubbs back in the day. A uh, huge defensive end that the Canes had. He came out of Red Bank, New Jersey. Oh my goodness, what a monster Danny Stubbs was. You should check him out on YouTube.
0: Well, Chudzinski Chig- from uh, Toledo and Walsh was from That's Minnesota right. that went to Florida. I'm dropping this now. It's not because I, I, I had it all along. I have to admit that I called you a few days ago to ask you to come on this podcast. And in the meantime, on Friday night, while I was playing cards with my friends, I put on Michigan Miami 1988 quarterback number 4 Steve Walsh. So there you Steve go. Steve Walsh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That was the uh, Cleveland Gary game. Cleveland Gary had a 47-yard touchdown. Chazinski had a Right a key and game. right right
1: and and then it was not called at the end, right? Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that game.
0: Yeah, he was a monster in that game. Keith Jackson and, yeah. and Bob Greasy were making the call. You know what I? I took out of that game like Michigan had a big lead. Like they should have won that game. They were up 16 points with under seven minutes to go. I mean, that would have been that would have been one that they would have been raked. Bow would have been raked over the coals uh, nowadays. You know
1: exactly. And then the Canes come. You know they, they were they were uh, uh, notorious for that kind of thing. I mean, you could get a lead on them and then all of a sudden there would be a huge comeback or they would stomp you right from the beginning. And then that was the end of it. So yeah, there was just a lot of winning. I mean, 58 straight back in the day at home. I mean, it was just, Oh boy. Those days, they still give me chills. Dennis still, still well, give me chills.
0: Uh, Keith Jackson during the game. He, this is a long road winning streak for Jimmy. And you know, <laughs> yeah. they had, they had, uh, I think had built the streak, the, the, the time that they they only played Michigan twice. The time they played them before, you know, they lost on the road, and then they hadn't lost again. I don't right. know when they, when they ended up losing, but yeah, Jimmy, they're on the sideline. You know what I thought was uh, interesting, just sitting back watching them. Besides uh, looking at uh, the, the field turf and and just how they've uh, they've sunk the stadium in probably six or seven feet, and you know the suites are all there, but the entire right. the entire game. Keith Jackson and Bob Greasy, they don't talk about any close plays or the replays, like is it in, is it out? Was it a catch? Nothing like that. No fumbles, except one time in the fourth quarter, McMurtry, the wide receiver for Michigan, is close to one. One guy calls it a catch and the other guy calls it a bobble, and Jimmy Johnson's over there telling him it's a bobble, you know, then. You know, there was, but that's it. That, one that was, one time that, in a one point it. game.
1: Hey, look, man. You know, it was <laughs> Oh, those days, those days of college football. What can I say, man? I mean, in fact, for Jimmy's first year, he went eight and five, I think. So, uh, you know, there was, it was not all rosy at the start, but then uh, things smoothed out. And then, you know, what happened? I mean, and then national championship comes along and then, you know, things start rolling. And, uh, you know, the Canes are back in the groove again after Schnellenberger started the thing back in uh, with the 83 Orange Bowl.
0: Yeah, you know what? That were those were my formative days, and I, I always—I'm uh, say—I have a warm spot in my heart for the U. But that was like one of the—that was one of the teams when I was growing up that that I did fear, like respected, feared. It was like that was oh, college yeah. football.
1: Oh yeah. Really. No, no <laughs> doubt. I mean, I, you could—you could say to this day, to longtime college football fans, that college football is better when the Canes are in the conversation. You know that's that's the thing. We need them back in there. Let's be honest. But you know, until they get there, I'm confident. Comp- I'm, I'm, I'm confident to deal with the Ohio States and the LSU's and you know everybody else. But the Canes need to be back in that conversation.
0: Well, a couple of years ago, for a second, you know, with the turnover chain and everybody else, yeah, was yeah copying, exactly, they exactly. Were, they were there you know, for a minute.
1: Right, right, right. But now, you know, because you haven't been able to back it up with wins or even, you know, any kind of uh, a showing on a national level, it's like a gimmick, you know, and it's copied and, you know, everybody has it. I don't know what kind of meaning it still has now. It's a, you know, they have rings to go along with it that you put on now. I look, you know, let's just get back to winning football. Okay. (laughs) Uh, If, if we, if we win football games, this other stuff will come. I mean, that's how it was back in the day. That's how it is now. You win football games, and the other stuff comes.
0: Well, I don't know if you saw it. I'm sure you did. But, you know, the players are going to be able to get paid now for their likeness or something. So it wouldn't be beyond yeah. the U or another school to have some kind of maybe some cold, hard cash or maybe that belt is real or something. If you come up with a turnover <laughs> now, they could do it. Flaunt it, you know, if you got it now. Well,
1: yeah. You're right. Maybe you get to keep it now, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know you, you, after the game, you, you get to wheel it home in the case or, or whatever it is. But, uh, you know, I don't know if it comes with a bodyguard or whatever down in Miami, but uh, uh, I don't know how that's going to work. But I like I think I like the fact that uh, guys can get paid now for the like this is in, in video games and stuff like this. Let's be honest. I mean, guys have been, or companies and other people and schools and everybody else have been making money off these guys for eons. You know what I mean? So why can't they get a little back?
0: Yeah, I'm for it. You know, I I love the college game. So there's a part about it like I'm like, wow, I don't want them to ruin college sports. But there's also a part about it like when you start seeing the billions being thrown around there and you see what the coaches are getting paid, it's like – you know the the players are getting paid one way or the other now, anyways. If we're you know being honest about that, they're finding ways to give them money. So let's see what this is like. I mean, if it's all of a, right if all of a sudden Alabama is paying every single guy, you know, to to you know get a jersey and work at a dealership, and everybody's getting a hundred thousand dollars. You know what? They might end up saving money. So it would be interesting to see what going to be like. <laughs> and
1: then, you know, here's the thing, though. It just takes it from underneath the table. You know what I mean? Because how many stories have we heard? How many how many times have we seen it? You know, how many times have we heard whispers of it where, hey, look, you know, this guy gave this guy, you know, this. I mean, right, you know, Ed Martin right here, all that. You know what I'm saying? We, we have seen, you know, money get... So why not just bring it all out in the open up front? Hey, look, you know what? You're a star player. You're doing this. You know what? Here's the percentage. Boom. You know, wh- whatever. I don't care. You know, use, use the ex- some of the excess money to fund the other sports. Yes, I'm all for that. But, you know, give some of this stuff back.
0: Yeah, if somebody's uh, mother, if somebody wants to pay for their dinner, like uh, I'm all for that. Let's not get in some kind of sting and get the FBI involved. Right. Like for that, just a couple of years ago, with Bridges' mom, or somebody, they they paid two hundred dollars for the dinner. It's like I'm all right with that.
1: Right now, yeah. now if all now if all of a sudden you know a guy uh, you know is the star of a hit video game or whatever, and uh, you know he's driving a Ferrari then I might have a little problem with that because that might be a little too much. You know what I'm saying? I don't want it to be like that, but you know, at least where a kid is, you know, able to, you know, do some stuff because the restrictions right now are just like, Oh man, athletes can't really do
0: much. Well, you're just going to have to keep your boys in check down in Florida because I can see a, <laughs> a, a two-live crew and, you know, all of that stuff going on. Like, come on, when you come say on it, man. You
1: know, that, that's just an urban legend. Come on now. <laughs> you know,
0: it is. Oh, what are, You know, the, the pandemic, it's strange for all of us. It's strange for you, I know, because I used to see you at games all the time, and there are no games, so I don't see you. So you're you're working. But you know, right. what else What else are you doing? How are you working and what else are you doing?
1: Well, you know, I am uh, all of a sudden uh, becoming very well acquainted with uh, the technology around me. I mean, you know, let's be honest. I'm, a, I'm more of a dinosaur where, you know, I'll look stuff up in a book or whatever. But, you know, now I'm, you know, I got two phones. I got a computer. I have, you know, all this other kind of stuff that I need to, you know, do research and look up and make sure that, you know, this information is correct. and You know, check out Twitter for this and, you know, uh, uh, research uh, or co- put in a few calls to, you know, some trusted, uh, you know, sources and things like that. So, you know, I mean, I'm doing a lot of the stuff that, you know, some of my producers might have done or might have helped me with, uh, you know, as we as we went along in the week trying to plan stories. But, you know, I'm, I do a lot of that now. It's, uh, it's quite a transition, let me tell you.
0: Yeah, it's
1: almost it's almost it's almost like, uh, you know, you don't have a day off or you don't have time off here in the house. You know what I mean? Because normally you'd go to work, you do whatever, and then you would come home and then you'd maybe, you know, like for me, sometimes take the job off like a jacket and just put it on the on the back of a chair. You know what I mean?
0: I do. And now, and, and now you get in there and it's like, you can get started right away and then there's no real five, there's no time to leave. You can just work 14 hours right. a day.
1: Right, exactly. I mean, you could start, uh, you know, you start working really as soon as you wake up, really. You start thinking, okay, how am I going to do this? And then, you know, it's it's nonstop, you know? I mean, right now I'm starting to think about, okay, um, what am I planning for Wednesday? You know, what am I planning for Thursday? You know, th- these kinds of things. So, yeah it's uh it's a it's a juggling act you know and plus I'm getting very well acquainted with the uh uh sports information uh, people and the uh p r people of all the teams and the, you know <laughs> and things like that again you know because, uh you know I'm going through them and you know talk to some of these players
0: tell you one thing about the sports information people like there have been times they're all, you know, they, they all have jobs to do. They're all, I'm not signaling anybody out whether good or bad, but you know, in the past you could send them an email and you'd be like, well, they're, you know, the busy game day, they got a lot of things on. Like now, you know, everybody's just sitting home. So, you know, they're seeing their email right. at one point. It's like, and they have actually, I've, I've put a couple of you know emails out there and I'm, I'm getting responses like back immediately. I like, go I'm like, Hey, okay.
1: You know? Yes. <laughs> Exactly right, and I'm I'm experiencing the same thing. And it's like you know sometimes. In fact, uh, I have a running joke with Todd Beam from the Red Wings, uh, and he's like, "Hey, stranger, how you doing?" And like, oh, oh, oh man, he's absolutely right. You know, normally it would be you know somebody else talking to him, but now it's me. So yeah, it's cool. Well, I, <laughs> but it's fun.
0: Yeah, the fun part for me, I, I've, I've thrown a couple feelers out there to get some, you know, some some. I don't know. Uh, you know professional athletes that have been that are, are out of the state you know a little more difficult right. to connect with and I, I've got a few numbers but you know when I finally have been in uh, communication with them and I've sent that hey, you got any time next week I know they have time it's like there's nobody like no i'm I'm going over uh, you know I'm going over to Paris for a couple of weeks nobody's going anywhere everybody's home uh-huh so
1: yeah that's the, that's I, the thing I mean all the va- all vacations are canceled. You know, I mean, there's no point. I mean, you know, just, uh, I'm waiting for somebody to say, hey, I need a day off. <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> you need a day off? Where are you going? Put in for some vacation?
1: <laughs> oh, please. Not me. Yeah. I, had to, uh, I had to cancel a lot of vacation. I was supposed to be, Get this, I was supposed to be in Italy uh, earlier this uh, year. In fact, last month. Uh, my niece, uh, was spending a semester abroad, uh, in school and she's turning 21. Right. So the plan was, Hey, let's head on over to Italy and celebrate 21. Well, then this thing happens and, you know, we bring everybody home, we cancel the trip and the whole thing. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's a nightmare.
0: It is. You're, a. Uh... You're a world traveler to begin with, though. This wouldn't have been your first, uh, you know, trip over the continent over there. I've like you've you've been to Paris before, right? Like, I, I think I've seen some. Paris. Yes.
1: Yes. I've I've been to France uh, quite a few times. Uh, uh, it's, uh, I spent a lot of time over there. Uh, um, uh, my brother in law uh, has a uh, place over there. So, uh, you know, summertime, get a couple of weeks, head on over. And it's uh, nice. It's real France, like touristy France.
0: Like uh, so, we talk about Nice or something like that.
1: No, well, you know what? Down south, I mean, like, uh, like uh, in uh, in the Provence area. Uh, let me see what was the name of the dam. Oh, Saint Remy. That's it, Saint Remy de Provence. That's it. Aye. Down uh, down there, down near Cavillon on the A eight, I believe it is from uh, the airport in Marseille.
0: Well, you can you can talk that that French uh, all day long for me. Uh, I like it. <laughs>
1: I, really, I really do. It, you know, it, it, it's it's different over there. It's it really is. But you know what? It's nice over there. It's just it seems to be just simpler over there. Just by the look of things. I mean, I I have a, a you know an idea that I in fact not an idea. I know that it's as sophisticated as it is over here, but it just looks simpler and it looks like you know you're transported back in time a little bit.
0: Well, I know that uh, the the French helped us during the American Revolution, so I always have a soft spot yeah. in my heart for them. And uh, you know what? Speaking of your sources and everything, I was looking through, we know that you know, the, the Lions had the number three pick. The Wings might have one of the top two picks. Uh, the, the Tigers do have the number one pick. The Pistons will have a top five pick probably. And uh, I was yeah. looking at a guy from the Ringer who said – that um, his name's Kevin O'Connor. His big board. He had a point guard from France, Killian Hayes, who I watched a little video of this weekend, and uh-huh. I thought he reminds me of Manu Ginobili, who wasn't a point guard but he was a lefty, and and right. He, he that's and then that's the comparison of him. So when when you're you're talking with your your contacts in France, you know, to ask them what they think of Killian Hayes.
1: You know what that may let's think about this for a minute. You know, we always talk about how, you know, uh, it's hard for for free agents to come to Detroit and you always have to overpay, especially like Pistons and things like that. You know what, maybe the maybe the thing for the Pistons is to try the overseas route and do the old like Dallas rebuild where they had all those foreign guys you know, uh, on the team and, or maybe like a Spurs thing where they had those foreign guys come over. I mean, that might be the thing to embrace where, you know, all of a sudden, hey, you know what? We got a lot of, uh, we got a guy from France. We got, we in fact, we already have a guy from France with Sekou Dumbuya. Ooh. He was over there uh, in, Limog- in, he played with Limoges uh, in, in France. So, you know, there's there's foreign talent already here. Why not just bring some more and load the team that way?
0: Well, I like the idea, but let's go to line one, Woody. And it's Fred from Canton who says, Hey, Woody, what about Darko? Didn't you remember him? Yeah. I mean, that, I'm still, that, we can't get away he from has, that. Hey, look
1: you know what look you're right you're right we can we're we are always gonna say hey what about darko but you know what at the time in 03 let's let's go back to the time you remember it was the pistons and kiki vandeway of the denver nuggets as the gm over there and everybody was saying this guy can't miss he can't teach height everybody was talking about how this is this is the guy you know what Anybody who picked Darko would have had that. But he was the guy who was being pushed at that time. I mean, everybody was saying, this is a can't miss. This is a can't miss. So, yes, we are always going to live it. But back then, it was holy smokes, let's go get this guy and, you know, let's let's uh, get something
0: going. That was Unfortunately, it
1: never happened.
0: It was a luxury for the Pistons, too. I mean, here they were going to all the Eastern Conference finals. True. Ultimately, the, the finals there, and then they, they get this pick from Otis Thorpe that just lands in their lap. And I remember the most is Chad Ford. and I don't know if he works for ESPN anymore, but he was writing for the magazine back there, and he would write things like, like Darko has the—he's the steely-eyed competitor of Jordan with the footwork of Elijah. One. And I was like, wow! I mean, he had me sold, man. I was—I was so sold.
1: Look, he wasn't all that, man. I—I mean, I remember. I remember. I think the Pistons worked him out in New York. Uh, 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 one time when they were practicing at John Jay College, I think it was uh, during the playoffs or or something like that, and they brought him to, to work him in like that, and uh, you know, everybody was everybody was raving, but you know, they were raving about just how big he was, and you know, as a luxury pick, that was probably the the thought process was that hey, this is the piece that can really just seal it for us. That it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't. And we're and we're always gonna have that the human victory cigar right put him in the game at the end when the pistons are up by 50 and <laughs> and there you go
0: <laughs> well I think raving is the, the right word because like I remember back in the day people would talk about the the seeing Darko not you know the human cigar at the end of games but they would see him uh, out at the clubs with his frosted tips at raves and stuff yep. and you just keep you'd get more sightings of Darko at the clubs and and talk about him what he was doing there than it was on the floor. So yeah, I mean, at some point you do have to. You can't just say we can't take a foreign guy because yeah, you got to own it.
1: Yeah, you got to own it. Hey, you know what? Okay, Darko's part of Pistons legend. Okay, I mean, you know, we own it now. You know, so so yep, that's that's how it is. It'll always be that way. In the same way that we own the bad boys and you know all the all the good stuff. You know, I mean, you got to take it. The good comes with the bad.
0: Yeah, and you know what, Woody, finally you know, I saw that uh I saw a tweet from you last week at some point where you were talking about Don Shula, who passed away the winningest oh, coach in the yeah. NFL. And you said you had worked in Miami. You know, you, you went to the year uh-huh. and you're a hardcore Kane fan. And but you said you you'd worked in Miami when Shula was still the head coach there and his connection I know he was on the Lions staff, so you always think about, man, what would it would have been like if uh if the Lions would have captain don shula you know how things could have been
1: different. oh man you know coach shula he was he was amazing i'm just gonna you know i'll i'll gush all day about coach <laughs> shula because uh you know he was uh he was like the 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 figure in town when i was you know part of my uh growing up you know coming out of college you know getting your first job and the whole thing i was uh uh, shooting uh, sports down in Miami for a TV station, right? And so we'd go to the press conferences and we'd go to the practices and you'd see Coach Shula and, yeah, he'd come up and, holy, holy moly, did he have control of everything. Shula was the type of guy who would see everything on the field at all times, it seemed. He could be on one corner of the field and see something in the opposite corner of the field. Sprint on over there and comment about it right then and there. It's amazing. It was like hawk-like vision where he could just see stuff. Um, the other thing was is that back in those days, right, okay, I was a young idiot because I was from New York, right? So I'm down in Miami. And what's the one thing a guy from New York who lives in Miami now wants to talk about? Pro football, right? Okay, and as a Jets fan, okay, I'm talking so much smack smack to Dolphins fans and, uh, you know, Dolphins players. I remember one time I came to, uh, remember I'm taking pictures now for the TV station. I came to practice one day dressed in a Jets hat and a Jets shirt the week before the Jets came and, uh, Mark Duper, uh, came up to me and said, Hey man, come on. What is that? <laughs> I said, "Look, man, I just want you. I just want to let you know who you're playing this week. Oh, you know, crazy stuff like that, man. You know, but S- super, Don Shula was great. Super duper, <laughs> exactly. Super duper, and uh, you know, all those guys. But uh, uh, Mark Clayton was with him. And um, but back to the to the Don Shula thing. Um, he also was a guy who would not take any kind of you know garbage from the from the media. I mean, you really had to." You know, come strong with your A-game when you're dealing with Don Shula, uh, at least, you know, on camera and that kind of thing. You know, when you're setting up for the interview, he's fine. You know, hey, coach, how you doing? Oh, hey, how are you? You know, boom, boom, boom. The light goes on. Let's do your business. And so, you know, there would be sometimes in the group press conference on Wednesday, that you know, someone would ask, a you know, a garbage question out of nowhere that had nothing to do with it. Maybe embarrass him or something, and he'd just walk right then and there. Press conference over, done. No 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 warning, no nothing. And sometimes those questions came right off the bat. So you're looking at the guy who asked the question after Shula has walked off and you're like, dude, now we got nothing for the week. What are you thinking? You know what I mean? You know, so so there's all kinds of stories like that where uh, you know, he was he could talk for hours, but then he would also be like, uh-uh, this ain't happening, and just walk.
0: You know, if I was a, a Jets fan down in Miami, I, if if I was a Dolphins fan, I think I would just continue to point to that 83 draft where the, the Dolphins took Marino with the second from last pick, and the Jets, I think just a couple picks before, they went with a quarterback, and they could have had Marino. They went with um, yeah. Ken, Kenny O'Brien. Ken O'Brien, right? Ken O'Brien,
1: who was who was also garbage. But
0: <laughs> bad, bad, bad pick.
1: <laughs> oh, another bad pick. I mean, you know. But again, I, I look. I suffered through a string of Jets quarterbacks in Dolphins games, all the way from Richard Todd to uh, uh, you know uh, Ken O'Brien, as you said. I mean, to uh, you know those receipt the receiver combinations with uh, Wesley Walker and uh, it, look. Those, 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 those battles are legendary, man. The Dolphins and Jets, man. It's a great series. But, uh, yeah, I really have some great memories of those days. And, uh, you know, working with Don Shula and those kinds of things. Ultimate respect for that guy. Ultimate.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, those are all good stories there, Woody. Uh, I, I like your work. You know, I, I always have. Uh, I, I tell you that. I tell people in the press box, and they think I'm joking. Like, I say, hey, Woody's my favorite. You know, I always and, – and, you know, I do. I enjoy your work. So keep up the good work. You know, uh, this flew by so much, you know, one time, uh, you know, I had a bunch of things listed down here to talk about the walking dead and, you know, your, are you know, you're tired. Oh yeah. Walking dead. You know what?
1: I, I stopped watching the walking dead. And it just got, it just, look, I could not watch it anymore. Okay. Because uh, I'm also a comic book guy, right? So I know about the comics and what happens in that and you know, how there's a big difference on the show. But the show just got to the point where I was like, what the heck is going on here? And I, it, it just lost me. It just lost me. And then once they killed off Rick, I was like, there's no point now. What the heck?
0: Well, you know what? Honestly, uh, I really liked the show at the beginning. It got me back where I, it had all the elements of, of horror movies that I liked. Oh, and I yeah, was yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just going. But. When, when Glenn jumped off that garbage into all the, the sea of walkers and somehow he was able to crawl underneath. I'm like, Oh man, you had to do them in there <laughs> and they didn't. So they kind of lost me there, but I, I I kept on for a few seasons, but I think they're like, they must be going for the record now. I think there's what, 10 seasons. So I don't know how many people, how many, how many people are. Well, lost, so. I,
1: I never, I never got into the other one. Fear the walking dead, the other spinoff show. No, I, I never got into that. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I followed some of the characters, you know, I mean, I was like, I liked it when Morgan came back and, you know, all that kind of thing. But uh, the the story just went crazy. And, you know, once uh, Negan came around and, mm. and, and, you know, started clubbing guys, I was like, oh, no, no, I, just, I can't watch it anymore. Like, no, uh-uh. no. And then, and then, and then when the, when the Sasha plan didn't work Okay, when they open the coffin and she comes out and you know it's all over Negan, I, I look. I wanted that to work. That would have been huge. And then he survives that, and I'm like, oh, come on!
0: That was actually uh, the last one that I watched when the, she's on the back of the, the <laughs> flatbed in the coffin. Right, right. She she turned herself. I think that was the plan, wasn't it? That was she the, did. Yeah, yes, for, she did. Yeah, for the good of everything. So maybe one day I'll I'll go all the way through it. So. Uh, you know, I actually do have some time, so maybe maybe I'll maybe I'll mark that one down. Catch up with the Walking Dead. I'll write that one down. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right, what what are you working on?
1: Um. Well, you know what? Uh, let's see.
0: Abdulkader. Um, gonna... story. I, I.
1: You know what? I uh, I spoke with uh, Abby a couple of a couple of weeks ago and uh, talked to him about a couple of things that I've been, you know, like kind of. You know, breaking up into some segments here. Oh, uh, we—I we'll, we, uh, did a thing with uh, on nicknames with him uh, just last week. Um, we'll uh, we'll play we'll play a game with him, uh, like I do with the Lions players on uh, game day. We'll do some kind of game with him uh, down the road, maybe in a week or two. But uh, uh, right now, I'm looking at. Uh, uh, let me see. Let's see. Uh, talking to some millennials about uh, the Jordan uh, documentary. Uh, last dance and uh, how it's, uh, you know, how they're looking at it now. Um, you know, uh, talk, always trying to, you know, deal with the latest with uh, the teams and stuff like that and uh, seeing with what the, uh, what's the next thing coming up? I believe it's a major league baseball draft uh, for the uh, Tigers. They got the top pick and, you know, the thing about that, what is it shortened right from 40 rounds to five? I was thinking about this, Dennis, the Tigers had the first pick in every round.
0: So they're getting the short end of it a little bit. You know what?
1: You know, I mean, they still got the first pick overall. Okay. And and are they going to take the Torkelson kid from Arizona state? The first baseman everybody's talking about. He's like the, what the hands down top pick.
0: Yes. I think that's going to be the selection. You know, I didn't think about the, the Tigers getting short, short change there. I did see where the, the wings, like all of a sudden there was this proposal that, Hey, uh, they're, they've got like a 67% chance of getting the number one. They, they can't fall anywhere lower than two. And I was like, I like that plan. Let's go. Let's do it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I could go with that plan too. But, I mean, you know, as far as a team that like the Tigers that really, you know, you're looking to rebuild a lot of stuff, you know, you could have made a lot of selections there. You know, granted it was, you know, for minor leagues and stuff like that. But, you know, what's going to happen with the minor leagues? I don't know, man. There's, you know, are you going to be able to keep guys? How are you going to bring guys in? You know how that works where guys come in, guys get out, right? Yeah. Now, uh, look, look, it's all up in the air right now, man. It's in limbo. I don't know how the how uh, teams are going to make this work. I don't know how.
0: Minor leagues? I don't know how the major leagues are going to work. So. <laughs> right, right.
1: <And laughs> I mean, gotta, you know, we don't know how that's going to go.
0: <laughs> no, we don't know anything, you know. We, we really don't. So I, I'm taking it week by week sometimes. Day by day. Well, Woody, I think everybody already knows they follow you on Twitter, at Fox2Woody. Enjoy your work on TV. We'll have to talk again. Uh, when we do, we will dive into uh, more of the the canes in the twentieth 21st century.
1: Well, that's fine. And remember, I told you before, I uh, wore number 22. So maybe, you know, podcast number 22, you look uh, oh, me up again, dude. Okay, I'm writing okay. that one
0: down. That's a, that's a mental note. Thanks for your time. <laughs> Thanks for your time, Woody. And uh, I hope, hopefully, one day, you know, we say this. Hopefully, we'll see you soon.
1: Yeah, stay safe, my man. Stay you, safe.
0: You too. Thanks for your time. All right, man. All right, see you later. There he Bye. is, Woody Woodruff, Fox Two. And you know, I told him I was going to keep him for, you know, fifteen minutes. Next thing you know, a half hour has gone by. I like it. I also said at the beginning of the show that I would get a little bit on the NFC North, little NFC North talk post-draft, and I'm going to do that right now, and to bring in a little conversation here, it's not just me talking. I went to the Ringer NFL show, it's a podcast hosted by Kevin Clark, and he had two Guests on from Pro Football Focus, a couple of guys named Eric Ager and George Sharori. and I will I will jump in in their conversation. But the first question went to um, Ager, PFF's Ager, when he was asked about the uh, NFC North.
2: Yeah, this one's interesting because I think everybody's going to be down on Green Bay. And I think understandably so, given the direction they're in. Um, And, you know, and also when you look at their point differential, you look at basically every metric a season ago, they were not a 13-win team. Um, But when I look at the composition of this division, Minnesota got a lot better last week. But it's going to be very difficult. And they're going to have to hit a royal flush, basically, to have all those players work out. And and be like you know a contender for that division come September. I think people are
0: well. I, I'll I'll stop it right there and jump in. Like it's it is one thing to say everybody was down on the Packers. Now I think all of us here in Detroit where we want to be down on the Packers, and yet yeah, were they a thirteen win team? I don't know. The Ravens won fourteen games, so I think they're going to win fourteen games. Probably not. Right? No, and in fact, I don't think they're going to win fourteen games. I don't think the Packers are going to win. 13 games, but you you do look at the metrics. You, you look at the uh, yards per completion for Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, I thought last year it was Aaron Jones who was the man. Like, if you're saying, all right, who was the leader, who was the best player on offense for the Packers last year, it actually wasn't Aaron Rodgers. It was Aaron Jones. Now they went in the second round and picked a, a running back, and we know what they did with their, with their first pick moving up to get Jordan Love, which – is good down the line for him, but it's not going to be good for him this year. You wouldn't think unless Rogers goes down. Uh, so you, you just can't uh, predict that part. But the thing about the Vikings saying that they have to hit a Royal flush on their draft, they had 15 draft picks, 15 draft picks. If they can get five of those guys, five out of 15, you normally, you know, you're thinking about three guys in a draft. When you have seven, they've got 15. Can they get seven guys that could be contributors? It, it's a huge thing. The one thing, If you are going to talk about the Vikings, you are going to talk about the draft. I don't remember a team having more than uh, 15 draft picks. So, yeah, that's the story on the Vikings. Here's more of that conversation from those guys from the NFL show.
2: Overweighing, you know, the, the probability that they're going to be good uh, based upon the draft that they had, which was, you know, understandably good. I think Chicago's in a difficult situation. Detroit's gotten better, but I'm always a little bit hesitant about Matt Patricia. So, even though they had a terrible draft, I think Green Bay should be the favorite to win this division again uh, in 2020.
0: Okay, there you go. Well, uh, they are the favorites in Vegas. It went uh, no surprise: Green Bay, Minnesota. Chicago and then the Lions. I saw eight to one. These guys talk about them being uh, seven to one. Yeah, a little bit hesitant on Matt Patricia after his first two years. It's understandable.
3: I'm, I thought you were going to steal my my point, so I'm glad that you didn't. I wrote down. You know, I looked at the division odds this morning. I wrote them down, and I look at them. And Green Bay's the favorite, and the Lions are seven to one. And I go, Are we sure? The Packers are for sure better than the Lions. Like, are we – are you that – how confident are you? Because the the Lions last year were bad for the majority of the year. But when they were intact, they were good. Through week five last year, they were fifth in expected points added per pass play. Like, Matt Stafford. –
0: All right. Expected points per pass play through five games – <laughs> that particular I, I like the data scientists uh, that are throwing out expected points per game and are we really sure that the packers are better than the lions you know the, the quick answer is yes uh, uh, we are sure every time that the packers have needed to beat the lions with Aaron Rodgers or we'll just stay with Aaron Rodgers they've been able to do it when they when they needed the game and so yeah i do remember the conversation at this point last year because the lions there were there were fans talking about the lions owning uh, the Packers, in, in recent memory, you know, they'd had the, the two wins the the year before. Uh, you know, Crosby, the, the field goal game. They'd give the Lions credit for winning that one. But the 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 other win, you know, Rodgers played the first quarter, played a couple snaps, and that was the meaningless game. Uh, week 17, and, you know, the Lions got some victories uh, the year before that. Rodgers uh, was actually out, so there was this talk that the Lions had, had owned the Packers. And then last year, of course, Green Bay winning. Uh, both games with no time remaining, and we know about the calls, the thing, the the two calls against Flowers, the pass interference, you know, late in that game. The Lions, you know, it's they get jobbed by the officials in that game, yes, but that happens in Green Bay. But here's more of the PFF guys sort of talking uh, data and metrics on the Lions and the NFC North
3: was throwing the ball downfield. They were leveraging play action at a high rate. They were putting the ball up to both of those receivers that could go get it. And they should have beat the Kansas City Chiefs um, had it not been for basically a they were walking into the end zone of the one-yard line and a fumble six the other way. Um, so to me, this division is totally wide open with the exception of I, the Bears to me are the team that I have the least confidence in um, because of the quarterback position. Um and I think the Packers, the Packers, the Vikings, and the Lions all have really big, r- really serious questions. Like the Packers, it's structural, right? Like, you know, that seems volatile, clearly, if you listen to Brett Favre. The Vikings have two receivers um, and are, are going to, you know, without Kevin Stefanski. And then the Lions are trying to put things back together and convince themselves they're good probably more than, than we're trying to convince themselves are good. So I think there's a legitimate three-horse race in this division.
0: So, yeah, well, there you go, three-horse race. There's uh, That is George Chirori from PFF. I haven't heard many people talking about the Lions being in the mix or the NFC North being wide open with the Lions uh, in with a chance. Uh, so this is uh, Chirori, who's the guy uh, whose name is uh, the one to remember. He's, he's not like Dan Pompey or – or, or Tom Milliken, who uh, picked the Lions to go to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, or uh, or Pompeii, who picked up to win the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, but you know, he is well, stay tuned.
4: I think that the Lions probably have a lot of talent. I think that I'm I'm as big a Matthew Stafford fan as anybody. Some of their weird results earlier in the season, like the the, the Cardinals game was just a debacle. Um, and then obviously Stafford's injury got them off track a little bit, but I think there's talent there. I do not believe in Matt Patricia as a coach. I just don't think he's very good, and I, I can't put any chips on 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 Matt Patricia. Ever. Do, do you believe
3: um, in Lafleur though?
4: Well, I kind of do because I've seen it. I mean, like I I I understand that some of that was smoke and mirrors last year, but I think that he, I, I think that the defense performed well enough, which I obviously Mike Pettin is in charge of that. I think that um, I think the philosophy he has is going to make things a little bit awkward because he clearly wants to go full 49ers, um, and that takes a while. I mean, it's really hard to retool the philosophy of a team when you have a quarterback under contract for three more years at you know a thirty million dollar plus cap hit. Uh, I think that drafting you know a running back that high uh, when you had so many other offensive needs was was a debacle. Uh-
0: well, uh, I, I agree with that. He's talking about Dylan, the Packers going with him in the second round, the running back from BC. He's good, good player, but just when you look at the Packers making the NFC Championship game, and yeah, they got they got rolled up pretty good by San Francisco, but they come back and go quarterback, running back. The, the two positions that you would talk about, like, uh, what did the Packers need? Uh, way down on the list would have been a quarterback running back. That's why, you know, it was odd.
4: I, I Quite frankly, I'm not a huge fan of the Jordan Love pick. I just think that that was – I think that in a vacuum, it's a good pick. But I think that if you're talking about the 2020 season, it's a bad pick, obviously. And so I think that if you're doing – and I wrote a column this week talking about – Billy Bean, the, the A's general manager, he, he's talking about Arsene Wenger, and he said that Arsene Wenger managed the team like he 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 was going to run it for 100 years. And George, taking Jordan Love in the first round is a I'm running this team for 100 years kind of thing. And in football, there some of that is necessary, but for 2020, I'm not sure that was the pick. Um, I'll
0: tell you this, that the Lions making the selection of TJ Hawkinson last year, knowing that it takes – at least two, three years, uh, for that particular position, they had that same kind of philosophy last
4: year. So, the, the long—that's the, a long way of saying I kind of believe in that Lafleur.
3: The, the Packers were twenty first in yards per pass play last year. Like, I, their record, I—I I don't have another word for it. it was it was fraudulent? Like they—they they did not. I did not. They did not get better offensively in the passing game with Lafleur versus McCarthy. It may have looked different because the score was better, but they didn't get that. They didn't get better. And if they did, it was very marginal. And now they're making a huge change
2: that maybe Rodgers isn't on board with. Well, but the, I, I do want to push back just a little bit in the sense that what they really leveraged a season ago was a mediocre division, which is, which right. I think for with respect to 2020 has only gotten worse.
0: Well, and I will jump in on that. Sure enough, the the Lions with Stafford, going down, and the Bears with Trubisky, those were some, some easy victories, and the, the Packers were able to mop up on them. The Vikings actually uh, were not, when you look at their divisional record, and the one thing about it is you can say that the the 2019 NFC North blew, and, and, but you had the wild card coming out of it, and you say, well, that's because uh, all the other teams suck, but technically, well, not technically, factually, The Vikings went on the road and beat a 13-win Saints team. And then the Packers also won a playoff game. So you can talk about it being hot garbage all we want. But they did go out there in the postseason, and both teams picked up W's. Now they both did get rolled, ultimately, by San Francisco. So let's hear more.
2: The quarterback is probably going to have a good season just by virtue of the fact that he's one of the best quarterbacks to ever played the game and there's some motivation there. I think long I think long term this team's going in the wrong direction unequivocally. I didn't like the Jordan Love pick fundamentally. I didn't like trading up for him, none of that stuff. Uh, and he ended up being their best draft pick. But the but in this current climate where continuity is probably important and high-end sort of like fragile things like Aaron Rodgers. I think are more important, maybe, than anti-fragile things like you know Minnesota's defensive play caller and all that kind of stuff.
4: If if we're going to be consistent with teams, we think can if I'm going to be consistent with teams, we think can take advantage of of a season with no offseason. I think the Vikings falls in the Vikings fall into that. I think that there's a lot. They know what they are. Um, there are it's it's veterans in a lot of different places. I think the Digs trade.
0: Mm veterans in a lot of places, but bringing in 15 draft picks. Do the Lions know who they are? Yeah, I think the Lions know who they are. I'm sorry. Listen. Takes a
4: little bit away from that, but I think that they they drafted enough. I, I, what I'm intrigued by, Mallory Rubin and I talked about this in the podcast last week, what, I, what I'm intrigued by is the general trend, and we saw this with five, six, seven teams who traded away pricey veterans and drafted a guy as their one-to-one replacement. And the Vikings didn't necessarily try to do that 100%, but, but obviously they got receiver help uh, early in the draft. And I think that their ability to to replicate that on offense is going to be really big, but I think that the Vikings are going to be pretty good this year.
2: But they have so many rookies. Yeah. My concern with Minnesota is they all three of their starting corners. Now, granted, Xavier Rhodes stunk last year, but all three of their starting corners are gone. Uh, Everson Griffin, their second best defensive lineman's gone. Uh, Limbell Joseph, their nose guard, they let him go. They might bring him back, but like, defensively, I agree with you that Zimmer being there, and Zimmer's one of the greater defensive minds in football, do they have the horses, though, to play defense, uh, you know, like they have historically? I my, I really question that, despite, like I said, I think Dancler's a good pick, and I think Gladney's a good pick. It's just whether
0: they can acclimate to the NFL. Right. All right, well, let's hear these guys pick the NFC North. So I think that's part coming.
4: of the reason I like
0: their draft class,
4: the reason they took 15 – 15 picks was because they knew that free agency was going to be such a debacle, undrafted free agency was such a debacle that they wanted those guys later in the draft, which I think if you're thinking about how to get value, that's a really good way to do it. I mean, you you can, it's really easy to get. Late round picks, you can get it easily. Um, I, I still believe in their talent. Like I still believe in in the spine and Harrison Smith and the, the linebackers, Denell Hunter. Uh, again, Mike Zimmer being one of the defensive geniuses of our era. On offense, I, I still think Kirk Cousins is pretty good. I understand you guys will dismiss Dalvin Cook out of hand, but he is. <laughs> I, I do think fairly talented. Uh, yeah. Adam Thielen. Like I, I, I like the pieces for them to be a pretty good team.
3: Okay. The final thing I'll say on this is. So you mentioned coaches, like the, the continuity of the coach and, and being able to carry a team through the offseason. Are we dismissing the impact of the quarterback there? Because to me, the quarterback might, depending on the team, be the person in charge of keeping guys together and on the same page in the offseason. Well, the
0: thing I just wanted to jump in on, to talking about the Vikings, yeah, they got Jefferson to replace Diggs, but they got Irv Smith last year out of Alabama as a tight end. He's mostly a wide receiver. He was pretty good as a rookie tight end. He's only going to get better. We know that with tight ends. And yeah, Rudolph, who caught the game winner, or he pushed off or not against the Saints. I mean, it's a, a formidable group when we're looking at the pass catchers there. All right, these guys uh, talk a little QBs and they will make their picks. Case,
2: give me Matt Stafford. Okay. Yeah, I mean we're talking about Kirk Cousins. This is like the nth this is like the fifth straight year that he's had a different like, offensive like, coordinator. Let's say we're let's say the whole team, the whole offense
3: is in a text chain. Okay. And that's your like main form of communication or a zoom call or whatever. Kirk Cousins is like, hey guys, let's do a little Zoom happy hour at, at 5 p.m. <sighs> today. How many responses is he getting? <sighs> Matt Stafford says that <sighs> he's got everybody on the team. Yeah, he sent them all love beers. That. If we're thinking of ways to take advantage of this,
2: I'm not sure looking at the quarterback isn't important. Um, but then, but then, how does that fall with Rodgers though? Because, like, if he if he calls his own family, they're not picking up. <laughs> but the problem for the tough thing for Rodgers, and
3: this is why it's going to be so hard to implement this Niners scheme, is they are built totally differently. Like he's got a bunch of slow big receivers. Like when he sends that text out, it's just going to Devonte Adams and David Bakhtiari. Like it's not a, it's not a full team group text.
4: Honestly. Um, um, yeah, no. I I I think that you guys need to develop a a way to measure how many guys are in the Zoom happy hour. I feel like that's the next project for PFF.
3: That <laughs> that would be fantastic. Is that like
2: grit?
4: It is, it is like grit. All right, uh, Eric, pick the division. Ooh, here
2: we go. Uh, I'm still going to go Green Bay despite, uh, despite everything. So,
3: social grit. Just because I, I have to be, I got to pick one long shot. This is the long shot I like the most. So, I'm going to go with the Lions.
4: Wow. I'm going to go Vikings
0: here.
3: I'm getting seven to one odds.
0: Well, there you go. How about that? Guys from the ringer and no Bears as a pick there. Packers. After talking about them being fraudulent last year, and then the other guy from PFF taking the Lions, saying that they're the longest shot. you just heard it, that he likes the most. And Clark going with the Vikings. Yeah, I mean, I'd pick the pack right now. But I do think that the Lions, uh, I'm – I went through, the, you know, the just the initial schedule. If you listen to this pod, you know, I picked him uh, nine and seven. I think that's good enough to get out of the basement of the NFC North. All right. It's been podcast number 10 and getting getting May going, waiting for some warmer weather. We had it for like uh, two, three days, and it was back to winter. So hopefully we get some, uh, some spring-like weather, and I'm looking forward to some fun times on the – podcast this week so thanks for listening dennis fithian here detroit sports podcast number 10 see you later